0: Well, hey, it's good to see you guys this morning. It's good to uh, it's good to be here. Um, it's uh, you know the last time I did this was probably middle of last year, and we we were doing the sermons just online at that point. So all I had to do was stare straight into that camera, and it was kind of kind of strange to get used to at first. But now I've got to get used to used to this. So be nice to me. Anyway, um, I want to start this morning with the story that Zig Ziglar used to tell. And it's a story about uh, a son that wanted to get a birthday present for his dad. His his sixtieth, his dad's sixtieth birthday was coming up, and um, he was into genealogy. And so the son hired a gene—I guess you call him a genealogy researcher—to go back hundreds of years, a couple hundred years or whatever it is, and create the family tree. He was going to actually draw it out for his dad and everything. Well, the researcher called the son a couple of weeks later, and he said, I've got some bad news, and I've got some good news. And the son said, well, I, I can handle it. Go ahead, and, go ahead and tell me the bad news. And he says, well, your dad had an Uncle Harry that nobody really knew about. Nobody talked about him because he was a criminal, and he spent most of his life in the state penitentiary. And he was executed in the electric chair. And the, the son is like, oh, no, this is this is terrible. I This ruins the whole project. I can't give my dad this gift on his birthday, letting him know he had an a, a uncle in the family that was a criminal that was elect- er, yeah, electrocuted. And uh, the researcher said, hold on, hold on. Remember I told you I had some good news. He said, uh, what I did was I wrote it up special for your dad. This is... This is what I wrote. Uncle Harry held a seat in the government institution for many years. He was connected to the work by the strongest of ties. His sudden death came as a real shock. (laughs) Come on now, that's funny, I don't care who you are. Work with me here. All right. To me, sometimes perception is everything. my girls grew up hearing me talk about perception, especially if sometimes you need to take a step back and look at somebody else's perspective, right? What I'm going to be talking about today is how we keep our perspective, how we keep our focus on the right things, how we don't let this crazy, crazy world affect us or affect our perspective, right? So we, uh, we're living in a crazy, crazy time, right? We've talked about COVID again and again. We talked this morning about how it affected the scouts here in this building. And we've all gone through lots of adjustments. But 2020, man, it just got to be uh, redundant almost, right? Just this is such a terrible year. Get us out of this, right? And we started looking forward to January 1st, 2021, right? And it's like, do we really think? that just reaching that day is going to make that much of a difference? No, it didn't and it wouldn't, but maybe we kind of needed to just tell ourselves that, right? We needed to say, "Man, I just need to we just need to wait until January 1st. It'll be a new year, things will be better." Maybe we just we just needed to we just needed to hear that a little bit. And now here we are in 2021 we made it right and it didn't change that much did it we got new crazy now okay and with covid we all made certain adjustments to our lives we you know learned all about social distancing and we heard the phrase the new normal i hate that phrase but that's that's where we were for a long time now here we are and we're talking about vaccinations you know um who gets it and what's in it you know um how do we sign up for it? Is it is it dirty dishwater in there? You know, some some folks might be thinking. I'm just being silly, but um, anyway, we're in the new year. With all of this craziness, I don't I don't adjust to it very well. I don't like change. I like to be comfortable and feel safe. You know, I like I like being at home. You know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. We don't. We like to be in our comfort zones, don't we? And, and this has thrown us out of that. In fact, growing up, I really, I really felt growing up like the United States of America was a great nation. Um, we grew up believing that we depended on God as a nation, didn't we? In fact, in school, they taught us that on our currency, I should maybe have a dollar bill here, um, on our currency at the top, it says, in God we trust. And you know, back then, everyone I knew had believed that, at least to a certain extent, in God we trust. I grew up in a time when you could watch the news and believe the story that they were telling. I grew up in a time when you could read a newspaper article and believe that what you were reading was the truth. It was because of something called journalistic integrity. Not sure that's there anymore, is it? Um, It's tough times. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today to give this message, Lord. And um, I just pray that you'll use it and bless it through me. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So... Adam mentioned that we're starting a brand new series today called Out of the Darkness. Uh, Today's, oh, I want to call it episode, it's not an episode, but today the title is Where Is God in the Darkness? So we're going to talk about that this morning. Where is God in these crazy times? We're going to be looking at, through the whole series, it's going to be through the book of Exodus, and Exodus is about the story when the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians, And God works many crazy, wonderful things to put an end to that and to rescue his people from the slavery and bondage that they're in. This morning we're going to be in Exodus 1. So if you'll turn there with me. Uh, While you're turning, let me just take a minute to, to mention that here in this church, we believe strongly that everyone should have access to the word of God. And so because of that, we make these bibles available to you for free so if you don't have your own bible just pick one up in the lobby on your way out if you're online and you need a bible just make a comment in the chat section there or email anyone on our church staff and we will get you a copy of the of the word of god okay exodus one starting in verse one these are the names of the son of israel who went to egypt with jacob each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher, the descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all of his brothers and all of that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them the new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. (coughs) Egypt was once a haven for God's people, the Israelites, right? I mean, when his brothers came to live there with their dad, came to Egypt to live, Joseph was number two in the whole whole country. Uh, The only one more powerful than Joseph was Pharaoh, and Pharaoh had given him that power. Joseph was famous. Everybody knew who Joseph was, right? He had saved the whole country from a famine and and countless other thousands of people because of the way they stored up grain ahead of time for that famine. God blessed everything Joseph had done and it brought him to that point. Everybody, hands down, knew who Joseph was. Now you fast forward a couple of hundred years and here comes a pharaoh into power that had no idea who Joseph was, and he didn't care. All he knew was that these people were filling up his country. They were multiplying like rabbits. Let's go to verse 9 and read. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. So Pharaoh was worried about them becoming so numerous that they would be a threat to his kingdom. Pharaoh enslaved the Hebrews, and he tried to break their spirit by being so hard on them. When I think about Egypt, I always, I always picture those huge pyramids that are there. I've I've never seen those, but I've seen pyramids down in Mexico, and they're huge. They're they're really big. It's hard to imagine how those got built. And I think the, the ones in Egypt are probably twice as big as the ones in Mexico. So it's just kind of little picture there of of what that must have been like to to build those pyramids. That's not what he's talking about here. They had them building the cities and things like that. But still, they were trying to be really really hard on them. Let's read some more, starting with 13. The Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Seasons change, don't they? What was once a good place for God's people, the Israelites, had become a place of bondage. There are times in life when we have a good place that we like or um, situations or even relationships. They can become toxic. Seasons change. Have you ever had a time when leadership changes and uh, maybe it's not such a good situation? Um, I'm going to try not to talk about the elephant in the room here, but we have a new president. We're going to see some changes. What I'm trying to talk about this morning is, again, our perception. Our way of seeing what's going on in the world around us so even though that's coming we might see some changes but I want you to remember that God is in control and he wins that's what we need to remember if you're seeing crazy stuff going on in this world which we're gonna see just remember God's in control and he wins another type of thing that could be going on as far as leadership is is maybe you've had a job for years and years you're comfortable there and all of a sudden there's new management now all of a sudden your department maybe it used to be the favorite department but now they don't like you maybe they don't think you're necessary maybe they just don't like you um maybe i don't know maybe you've been used to sharing jesus with your fellow employees at work and they're not going to allow that or something different things like that can happen let's go to verse 15. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifrath and Puah, when you're helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. So not only did Pharaoh enslave the Hebrew people, he also ordered that all the baby boys be killed. Luckily, the midwives didn't listen to Pharaoh, did they? Instead, they let the boys live. I was I was studying this, and I, at dawned on I me. Mean, it's like, now wait a minute. We're talking about these people multiplying and multiplying and multiplying, and there's these two women, that are midwives, and they're taking care of all of Egypt too, right? And plus all these thousands, and maybe even probably even hundreds of thousands of Israelites. How can that be? And probably, I'm thinking they were uh, in charge of that department. You know the. The Labor and Delivery Department. That's a that's a joke. Work with me, folks. Come on. keep There we go. All right. So I'm going to go over, uh, over here. Let's fast track back to 2021, to today. How can we apply what God was doing with the Israelites to today? I mean, all this crazy stuff's going on, right? And, and so I say, okay, God, what are you going to do with all this? What's that going to look like? But we're wondering, aren't we? I mean, God, are you there? How can you be letting this happen? These are, these are dark times, and these are scary dark times, right? Leviticus 11.45 says this, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Therefore, be holy because I'm holy. God had an, a covenant with Abraham. Do you remember that? He made promises to Abraham through this covenant to watch out for his offspring and to bless them. Right, and now in this situation, they've been in sla- living as slaves in bondage for 400 years. That's a long time. Um, sometimes I feel like my 57 years is a long time. Uh, there are others that probably think that's somewhat young. I don't know, but or America. America is just a little over 200 years, right? It seems like a long time. You look back at at history, the Revolutionary War and different things like that, that seems like a long, long time ago. And yet that that wasn't even as long as these folks had been working as slaves, 400 years. So when it's like that, does that mean that God's not even in the picture? Absolutely not. Of course he was there. But what we have to remember is who God is. God is the creator of the universe he created everything all of this out of nothing I on the other hand I can't get through a single day without messing up right I mean that's just that's just the way it is so who am I that I should second guess God the creator of the universe it's not our job to advise God but what can we do again Leviticus 11:45 says be holy because I'm holy how How do we do that? Well, we don't freak out about stuff. We don't panic. You know who God is, and you know that he wins. Don't let your perception be skewed by that journalistic integrity out there. That's sarcasm. Um, We have to remember that God is in control. Remember last week Adam preached about how practice doesn't make perfect necessarily. Practice makes permanent. Okay, it, it makes things permanent. I have an example I want to show you guys this morning of practice. This is, this is a common golf club. I had never touched one of these other than maybe putt-putt clubs until I was 17 years old. And, uh, I, but I saw this and I thought, you know, I think that looks like a lot of fun. I want to I wanna learn how to do that. And so I, I knew a man that was really good at it, and I asked him to teach me to golf. And He agreed with with two conditions one was that I would be his caddy So every Saturday morning early uh, I had to go meet him at the golf course and be his caddy that means I had to carry his clubs around Keep them clean keep everything organized do whatever he said, so I got to be a little slave Uh, anyway I was doing that every Saturday morning for a while the second condition was I could not play golf myself until I had practiced the golf swing enough that it would be the same every time. You See, in golf, you need it to be the same every time. The club head is, the different clubs have different angles and that determines where the ball's gonna go, the distance it's gonna have. But you need your swing to be the same every time. And so that means your grip on the club has to be the same every time. Your stance has to be the same. You need to, as you address the ball, it has to be the same. And then your swing, Your swing needs to be the same every time. This had been going on for a while. I was getting tired of being his caddy. I was tired of going to the driving range and only practicing. I wanted to get in the game. I wanted to play the game of golf. And so I lied. I said, I'm ready. And uh, he believed me. He didn't even check me. That kind of surprised me a little bit. And uh, so the next Saturday morning, Here I am. I'm on the number one tee, getting ready to start. There was a couple of things that happened that I wasn't anticipating. I wasn't ready. Well, we know that, but because of these especially, here's this man and his friends all standing there watching me. Now, these guys, they were intimidating because they knew what they were doing, and they knew that I didn't know what I was doing. So here I am. I'm getting ready. My knees are shaking. I mean, so much I thought surely they could see it. But I didn't have any choice. I just, I just went for it, and I, and I gave it everything I had. You know what? That ball did not go true and straight. It zinged over this way into a parking lot, bounced off three or four cars. It was embarrassing. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I can't even begin to tell you how I felt at that point. But I learned a lesson from it. Sometimes I have to relearn my lessons a lot. But, uh, right, Lisa? But uh, I learned that you've got to practice. Practice is so important. It's not just something your parents say to you because they enjoy telling you to practice. You really do need to get this stuff down. You need to be ready. You need to be prepared in advance. Um, Adam, I was starting to say, last week he taught us about um, practice being permanent. And there's three parts to that. The first thing you need to practice is your petitions, so prayer and petitions talking to God. So, folks, when things are going crazy in today's world, when you're dealing with, well, who knows, right? It'll probably be something different next week, something we didn't even see coming. What do we do about it? Because we're practiced, because we're used to it. We pray about it. We petition God. That should be our automatic response. Just petition God. Number two is the pivot. We practice the pivot. And that's where Adam taught us that you turn away from evil and replace it with good. Now, last week he was talking about temptations. But this week, it's, it's uh, not so much temptations. It's the actual evil in the world that we see around us, right? We need to turn away from that. We need to not be involved in it. Um, God might be preparing a part for you to play. And that's why we need to practice and be ready ahead of time with our good habits and the way we're living our lives. Remember, practice makes permanent. And what does that look like? Replacing evil in the world with something else? Let me read to you from Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor As yourself, love, love, love. Um, There is a clip we have that I wanted to go to. Um, It's about a man, what was his name? Let me look it up, I can't find it. Sir Winston Nichols, there it is. Here's a man that saved over 600 children from the Nazi concentration camps in World War II. He was honored on a television program not, re- and not realizing that many of the children that he saved were sitting in the audience around him. We have a clip of that. Let's go ahead and check that out. In 1988, Winton was invited into a TV studio having no idea what was about to hit him. Managed to save 664 children. This is his scrapbook. There are all kinds of fascinating pictures in it. Back here is the list of all the children Ask, is there anyone in our audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton? If so, could you stand up, please? Isn't that something? Just like the midwives, Winston Nichols was able to choose good over evil, and therefore he was. Involved in God's plan to save those children, um, that's that's really something. It's it's amazing that God uses us in those ways. That was part of his normal everyday life. the The interesting thing about that story is that uh, when I when I did some reading on it, was that he didn't really remember that time. It wasn't that big of a deal for him because, as a businessman, that's what he was doing anyway. Was shipping things to Britain from that area. And he saw that this needed to be done, and they did it. He had a team of people helping him do it, and they did it. It wasn't until his wife, uh, I think it was like in 1988, um, was rooting around up in their attic, and she came across the notebooks in the, in the, his his journal from that time, and they kind of rediscovered it. It wasn't even that big of a deal for this man. do that because that's what he did he was in the habit of replacing evil with good so here we come to today and we're talking about jesus reminding us about loving the lord our god and what does that what does that mean for us what does that look like are you having trouble changing what's your motivation to change um listen let me give you another personal example when Lisa came into my world. It, it rocked my whole world. I, it turned me upside down. Um, I'm really glad that you all didn't know the old Mick O'Hanahan. I was I was a mess. Um, I only lived for myself. The Mick O'Hanahan philosophy back in those days was just to have fun and if you could have fun with those around you that was okay too but I really didn't pay attention. I, I squandered all my resources and my money on partying. Um, I, I didn't care what other people thought of me and I didn't care about the consequences of the things I was doing and the way I was living my life. And then, and then I really think God dropped Lisa into my life kinda like a wall, I needed to be stopped. I, needed, I ran right into that wall and it stopped me cold. So all of a sudden I'm motivated, right? Uh, I start my my speech changed and um, because I knew she wouldn't let me get away with cussing I was motivated you know and then instead of partying all weekend or running up into the mountains for a fishing trip I found myself in Denver every weekend trying to be helpful to her mom and dad I was motivated instead of eating frozen pizzas at home by myself all of a sudden I was trying to you know Uh, Be romantic and create candlelit dinners. Now, I have to admit here that for the first few years, candlelit dinners meant Wendy's. But, But I was trying. I was motivated, right? Okay. You get the picture. You get the picture. Listen, we need to have that same kind of motivation for loving God so that we can show God that we love him. And why do we do that? Well, because he loved us. He sent his only son to die as a sacrifice for our sins, didn't he? And I don't know about you, but that certainly gives me motivation to live my life for him and to show him how I love him. Sometimes God urges me to do things. Have a conversation with this fellow over here. Or do something, I don't know, I can't think of anything right now, but there have been times, like move to Mexico maybe, I don't know. Um, and sometimes I fail at that but I try hard to listen for those urgings so that I can do things for God, so that I can be involved in the story. And I think that's that's what he invites us to do, and I think, think it's really important that we be ready to do that. We be practicing living a certain way so that we, it can be permanent, so that we can be ready for those times. That's one of the reasons it's important to... Keep our perspective straight. To not let the world skew us, no matter what's going on, no matter what kind of what kind of crazy is happening. We need to practice the present. That's the third part. We practice petitions. We practice the pivot. We also have to practice the present. That's just being real about today. It's 2021. It is what it is, and we have to live with that, folks. Remember the Zig Ziglar story in the beginning. Is it a tragedy? Or is it something else it's about our perception of things God is in control and he wins God loves us he's in control and he only wants the best for us absolutely that's what he wants I hope you believe that today if you have any questions about all of this you know what we'd love to talk to you about it you can you can contact any of the staff the pastors here at the church or the elders um Just look us up, come have a conversation with us. We'd love to chat with you about it. If you're online, real easy, just in the chat section there, leave a comment that you'd like to talk to somebody and we will get in touch and we'll have a conversation. If you haven't been following Jesus and you feel like you're ready to do that, you're ready to take that step and make him your savior, become a part of the family of God, well, we certainly want to have that conversation with you as well. So on the way out today, if you need to talk to somebody, go to the Next Steps table out in the lobby. There will be a couple of guys there that can talk to you. If you're online, same thing. Please put a comment in the, in the chat section there, and we'll get with you and talk to you. Don't put it off. Thanks. Thanks.